You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 140, The Ghost Inside, hosted by Dan Terry. And I didn't like it in seventh grade. I liked it as an adult. Right? But I, like I said, I try not to make the podcast too complicated. Like, if it makes me feel good, then I'm all about it. Chris McCoy. What's up? That album was perfect for a seventh grader. And Joseph Wren. We have some sweet perks. Money! Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you ride the dark horse into the great unknown, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Chris. Are you the ghost inside? I mean, is this like a deus ex machina type of situation here? Or is this like just the ghost inside? Allison Chains asked, am I inside? Yeah, I don't know if it's like that. I will say what I think it's like. So you know how we did this episode on It Prevails recently? Yeah. I was there. Have you ever been listening to It Prevails and you think like, you know, it does, but for how long? (laughs) What if the ghost inside lives inside you? That would mean I have a specter inside of me that reminds me of Gojira sometimes, hates the day other times. I think I'm okay with that. The Gojira thing's interesting, but we'll we'll dig into that a little bit later. We, we've kind of been on this track lately of doing bands. I mean, it, with the exception of Seven Dust, you know, do, doing bands that have this melodic, hardcore edge to them. And The Ghost Inside fits along with that really well. We did Chai Halud, we did It Prevails, we did Hope Fall a long time ago. It's it's no secret that this is kind of my shit. <laughs> you, you know, the, these bands that are that are heavy, but are not necessarily about ass beating. Although every now and again, the ghost inside does get a little bit into ass beating. I'm really into the ghost inside. I've never been a huge lyric guy, but like, it's more like inspiration core is what I would call it. These guys are very uh, motivating. Motivating is definitely the word I would use to describe it because I'm ready to just fucking throw down when I listen to their stuff. And like, even whenever I'm like feeling like a piece of shit, I'm like, you know what? I could do better. Why isn't there a hardcore band called Matt Foley? I feel like the Ghost Inside could show up at your high school gymnasium and say, We are the Ghost Inside! We are your motivational speakers! This album is called Dear Youth. <laughs> well, I think that they would uh, they would be successful in that. At least I for all the people that like hardcore. Down in a van by the river. Right. <laughs> Living on a steady diet of government cheese. But to get into it a little bit deeper... The Ghost Inside, formerly known as A Dying Dream, is a American metalcore band from L.A., they started in 2004, and I think I think metalcore is is a good enough description of the band in the sense that they do a lot of metalcorey things. But I definitely hear a much stronger influence from hardcore. Oh, definitely hardcore in their music. Um, it's got kind of that punk mentality. A lot of the uh, a lot of the punk rhythms, and you know, they, they they like to drop out all the audio and just go straight bass for a couple of seconds. And uh, to me, that's that's a very punk rock. And, Absolutely. You know, and 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 to have Chris on on this episode, that's kind of your shit, right? Is the is the punk rock based type of band? Definitely my wheelhouse. Um, um, I I grew up listening to like skate punk and then morphed into more of the I still like the double time but the more heaviness in it you know sure yeah, yeah. definitely more my wheelhouse definitely ghost inside it's like guys throw throw the breakdown in there every now and again yeah right uh, they they're, they're they're really good at creating a, a certain feeling with each track. And they've got kind of that, like, I want to be at their show and be drunk and kind of singing along uh, to some of the gang vocal parts and, you know, just really, really getting into what the band is kind of bathing in. Right. I, I made a note, I know I'm jumping way ahead, on the song Avalanche on their last record. I felt like that song was written to be a live song, like a sing-along, get into it, 
You sing back the chorus and then you get in the pit. Totally. Kind of like that new uh, Day to Remember Degenerate song. Not really a fan of that song, but that song was written to be a live at the show song where the whole crowd sings back to you. Totally. It's a good version of modern metal, as opposed to the Asking Alexandria, this is the auto-tuned chorus at the start of the song. Okay, everybody dance. Whatever, we all bought that first record. I didn't buy it. Oh. I listened to it several times, I admit it. <laughs> I have it. I don't remember if I bought it or not, but I have it. I think what's interesting about the Ghost Inside is they're kind of a pure representation of the metalcore style from when they became a band. That that mid to late 2000s metalcore sound is kind of the style that we all got into whenever we got into metalcore. We weren't necessarily into the clean choruses yet right? or the, um, the electronic aspects that are in a lot of model, modern metalcore bands. I definitely think the Ghost Inside could have that, you know, that cliche term like a gateway hardcore metalcore band for some people because, yeah, they have some clean singing like over maybe the last two records, but like you can hear what the guy's saying, even though he's screaming at you. And if you're not a huge Scream fan, you can definitely decipher what he's saying in his voice. Totally. That's important. You can tell me all day long that the lyrics are what's written on the page, but if it doesn't sound like what you're saying, right. you're not saying it. Unless Dan disagrees, in which case he can tell you everything the lead singer is saying. Well, we're not we're not really in a in a pig destroyer situation here, where you know the guy's just like screaming or puking into a bucket, and then that's the lyrics. Yeah, you can you can understand. Nice clarification there, by the way. Well, you can understand everything that Jonathan uh, is saying. And that, that's important. I have to criticize their message a little bit, and then it's not the most original message in the world, uh, which is just like kind of a be true to yourself, cut out the bullshit, cut out the drama. I feel like in this genre of music, though, like they're they're way more uplifting than like your run-of-the-mill like hardcore metalcore bands. Like they definitely have a more positive vibe to it. I don't think they're necessarily going like a a cliche category. They got a bit of a cliche sound. But I agree, the message is more positive, more like a sleeping giant. With Sleeping Giant, if all you're listening to is the music, you're going to think it's the most intense, angry band in the world. But what it actually is, is we are so passionate for Jesus that we're just going to shove it down your throat. And you're going to like it while we do it. Yeah, that's why I don't listen to that band. Well, I think think that is kind of the cliche there, though. Like... What I like about what I find the most refreshing about the ghosts inside is they're not relying on religion. Uh, they're not relying on anti-religion. They're not relying on like straight edge. You know, they're not they're not relying on on all of these generic kind of worldviews that a lot of these bands fall into, and that's all they ever talk about. And I think that that was the most refreshing thing about the ghosts inside is that they just kind of were able to pull emotion out of real things that we deal with as human beings and just like the stupid shit that people say to you and the type of fights that people try to create you know the drama people try to create in your life positivity for the sake of positivity correct yeah it's super relatable stuff i think to most people and i think i think that puts them more in the shy halud category of like i hate mankind but i also believe that mankind can do better and so, like, that that gives this band, like, a double thumbs up from me. Well, before we return to Dune, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. 
Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, we love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion, but, you know, that's kind of just something that makes us feel better. I've been corrected over time in in that I used to think that, like, five-star reviews meant something. And they do. They make you feel better. So definitely leave us those reviews. However, the best thing you could do for a podcast right now is share the fucking episodes. And I don't mean that in a mean way. Like, you guys have been sharing, and that's great. And uh, But, yeah, share the episodes with your friends and family. Just the thought of, you know, you've got people in your friends list that probably enjoy the same kind of stuff that you do. And uh, with you sharing the episode, you might be turning them onto a podcast they didn't know about before. So... Uh, if you share the episodes, it helps us out tremendously. I'm going to get another beer real quick. Oh, but you were doing so well. I know, right? I can't wait to <laughs> fuck it all up. Dan, I think you should take your first beer as good photo and add it to social media. You should you should get, you should put it in the glass, put the can next to it, have the control board in the background, and add that to the discography discussion Instagram. Did you take a good picture, though, Dan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can fucking check the Instagram. Jesus. <laughs> I'm kind of a nerd for beer photos. You fucking guys. All right. So, Dan, tell me about The Ghost Inside. The Ghost Inside is a melodic hardcore band or metalcore band, depending on what you want to call it, from L.A. I I already kind of covered that, but they're fucking awesome. And, like, they play a melodic hardcore sound that's very based in punk and hardcore, which I love. They throw some metal in there for the more intense parts, like the breakdowns and, and shit like that. But, like, what I like about this band the most is that they create an atmosphere with their music, but they're not afraid to just fucking break down and get super heavy whenever they need to like when the song calls for it oh dude my favorite my favorite song on the record is syrian song i think it's track seven or eight but it just opens with a breakdown oh my god yeah 2007 fury and the fallen ones they didn't even build up to anything they just broke down and i love that shit i that that is like so cheesy but awesome when performed correctly ghost inside is a the perfect soundtrack if you're at the gym getting getting your pump on like put syrian song on just to start off your workout boom done totally you're saying it's kind of a get shit done kind of thing i wouldn't know that though for because i haven't lifted weights in a long time used to but me neither brother. i just do the 12 ounce curls my friend we need to like start like getting together and fucking working out like that needs to happen are you talking about just hanging out and doing the 12 ounce curls or actually going to the gym oh fuck i don't know uh i was thinking of just like drink a bunch of beers and watch a movie is that Game. the same thing as working out throw a frozen pizza in there you know okay cool yeah all right then, then i'm down Movie Mosh, coming soon to DiscussMetal.com. <laughs> totally. <laughs> what I like about this band is that they're like they're like two parts Poison the Well, one part Comeback Kid. I like that. You know, and that that's that's kind of my favorite thing about them is that they that they retain that modern heaviness, especially on this first record. This first record is out of the gate. Like we don't encounter too many bands that are this good on their first recording, but it's hard. Like even in 2008 or 2007, rather. Uh, Fury and the Fallen Ones is a classic record for me, a classic melodic hardcore record. One of my favorite artwork too on a record. I love oh my goodness! On that cover. Yeah, yeah. This band, this band got it, and it was almost like they were trying to deliver shit directly to me. Right. Yeah, it's funny you brought up Comeback Kid because the Goose does make an appearance further on down in the discography as a feature. Absolutely. And you know that was uh, that was an intentional comparison because this band is not going to blow your mind as far as like if you've heard melodic hardcore bands before. 
they don't necessarily do anything different than what you've heard before. But I think that's kind of okay with this style because the the passion behind the vocals and just the way the songs hit is enough like is worth the price of admission, if that makes sense. Definitely. And they don't they don't fall into all the tropes of like, you know, talking about Jesus or talking about religion or you know, for or against. Yeah, I've seen the Ghost Inside live once. I wish I could have seen them more. Hopefully we'll get the chance in the future because it sounds like they're working on stuff. Yeah. I, I saw them on, the, I believe it was the AP tour, I want to say maybe 2012, 13, something like that. Um, they were playing with Miss May I and uh, Glass Cloud. Amity Affliction was supposed to be on that show, but their bus or van or something broke down. But speaking about passion, like when I saw them live, like Jonathan just on stage, like he, there's no show with these guys. Like Jonathan gets up there in just a crew neck sweatshirt, you know, shorts, and just screams his ass off. And you can just, he's oozing, he believes what he's, what he's singing. Yeah, and that's all you need in hardcore. You don't need a whole bunch of like tricks or gimmicks like, you know, th there's there's none of the like studio assisted, you know, bass drop breakdowns in there. Right. And they're at least not on this record, but like there's no like it's not bogged down the clean vocals, which right. I think a lot of bands in this genre tend to do after a while where they can't bridge the gap between melodic hardcore and pop punk. Right. Uh, this band does it and, and, and how they do that is they they fall back on a metalcore backing, which helps them immensely. Yeah, I've definitely never been a big lyric guy, and I know you are, Dan. Um, but if I can understand and pick up on it, like I can get behind the lyrics, and like this is definitely one of those bands that actually do care about their lyrics because just what they're trying to say is awesome. And I feel like some of their songs, especially like towards the end of this record, the song "The Lion War," um, a lot of bands say you can, I don't know, what's the word, in interpret it the way you want, and you definitely can with yeah. like some of their songs like the it's line like the cult like, of luna all over again right what does it mean what do you think it means cult of luna has been in the headlines recently <laughs> we just talked about that on patreon talking trash about a certain band but we don't need to go there yeah we'll leave it alone but yeah i think i think my biggest attraction of this record is the is is the bass in punk rock which a lot of bands a lot of metalcore bands that came out around this time definitely aired more towards the metalcore side of it they were going more in an unearthed direction more noodly guitars yeah and, yes. and, and they don't bother us with Not that a bad shit thing, but. like it's almost got more of a misery signals vibe to it definitely than like a kill switch engage and and that's that's what i liked about this record i love the passion i love the way they brought it and um i enjoyed the melodic parts because the melodic parts were genuine and not like contrived yeah, it's just something about this man, this band, man. They get me jacked. Like just hearing, you know, in the background, hearing these uh, breakdowns hit makes me want to start throwing elbows. I don't know about you guys. Totally. I mean, don't do it in here. There's not a lot of room. Right? I mean, do we want to have a 15 second throw elbows break? <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe, but you know, oh god, my fucking face. Uh, <laughs> That's just what it looks like, dude. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> it hurts all the time too. Is that should I get that checked out? What's with all the mirrors in here, guys? It's, it, there's mirrors on the ceiling and then the bed in the very center of the studio. I don't, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, that's a that's a that's a holdover from Jeff. Hey y'all. Um, so like you know when a band puts an album like this out, it's it's hard for me to really quantify like what they're gonna do next. Like it, are they gonna do the same thing again, or are they gonna just like start pushing their boundaries? I would not have listened to this in 2007 because it is falsely labeled as emo hardcore. Really? It's e not emo? that. Is this that record emo? is not. They have some melodic pieces later on. But there's nothing really emo about this no. band. It's like the heavy parts of Haste the Day. Right. There's no. I don't get any emo vibe from Ghost Inside. Never have. 
This is the part of the conversation where we talk about the false label of emo that was brought on in the early to mid-2000s. It wasn't under oath, if you asked Dan. Well, I mean, it depends on what you mean by emo, I guess. Four hours later. I mean, I, I hear a little bit of that. Like, I mean, okay, if your idea of emo is like Sunday Day Real Estate, oh! sure, it's, it's not that. But, like, if your version of emo is more like... The used or I from first know. to last or something like that? No, I mean, like, like Sasha or... City Caterpillar or Jerome's Dream or something like that. You're going too deep for me, bud. Sorry. Sorry. I, I'm really into emo, but like... But in 2007, if you didn't know no. any better, which the majority of the populace did not know any better, you'd hear this and say, well, it's kind of like the heavy parts of that Under Oath song, or Haste the Day would be the more accurate description in my book. I like it for that reason. Yeah, I mean... I don't really hear an emo influence in it other than just like if you want to call anything that sounds punk emo. It's metalcore. But it's it punk doesn't influenced hardcore. It's metalcore. But it doesn't have that like clean vocal like I mean like there's some clean vocal but like it's not relied on like it's not like a right. backbone of the sound. You can't anticipate it. And there's no whininess about like how your girlfriend fucked you over and you want to hide her in the walls. Right. I mean I mean I think we've all been there, but we're not there on this album. Right. So when Returners came out, I was kind of like, okay. 2010. How do they top the last album? Oh, they put out Returners is how they do that. They do that, yeah. yeah. Then And why is Returners... <laughs> they call all their friends. ...topping the next album? You ever create something really, really, really great, and then you're like, I want to do that, but I want to do it better. Me being a meathead, the breakdowns are just more intense for me on this record. They're fucking sick, dude. Like, and he always has a good, like, phrase to scream out before that, you know, the bass drop and the beat down, you know, breakdown hits. Totally, and, like, they, they kind of perfected that, whereas on the first record, they leaned more towards the melodic side of things. It's not that Returners isn't melodic, but they they accentuate the heavy parts more so than they did before. Right. You can't go wrong. Like, in the song Through the Cracks, which is towards the end of the record, yeah, screams out, it's not fair, but I don't care. I'm not defeated. Then, boom, it hits. Like, that just activate the pit? Yeah. Shout yeah. out to Roach Coach. Like, that's a pit activator right there. You're allowed one. That's the only time, <laughs> that's the only time Joe's going to allow you to say that. But, yeah. Um, totally. Like, it, it is. It, it absolutely gets the pit going, and uh, I, I, I want to throw elbows now. I didn't on the last record, and I want to now. So, uh, you know, watch your guys' faces. But, like, I mean, fucking uh, my favorite track on this record is uh, is Chrono. Good record. Good good music video. Yeah, features uh, Matt Brusso of Bury Your Dead. So, like, the meathead in me is all, like, totally ribbed out. I'm like, oh, my God. You guys are going to be heavy. You guys are going to be, like, do your thing, but you're going to be, like, super heavy at the same time. And um, they didn't push their sound forward necessarily, but they did what they did before better. Definitely. My favorite track on the record, which is most people's favorite track, I want to think the most popular, Between the Lines. Can't go wrong. Totally, totally. What do you Absolutely. stand for, Dan? What do you stand for? Well, you know, I uh, <laughs> I stand for music that makes me feel good. <laughs> so there you go. Um, I also stand for, you know, um, cars that run and mortgage mortgages that get paid uh, because I'm old. Uh, bills, being an adult. Oh, uh, it's so punk rock, right? Yeah. Uh, Chris, earlier you said that you don't listen to Sleeping Giant. What did you think of the conflict featuring Tommy Green of Sleeping Giant? I don't know that I ever heard that song. Yeah, it's uh, track seven. I Well, oh, conflict. Yeah, I know the song. I just don't. I didn't realize he was featured on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My bad. And Tommy Green's kind of one of those guys that, like, um, again, if you're not big into Sleeping Giant, like, I noticed it right away. I was like, holy, holy shit. Is, is, uh, is, is Tommy Green on this? And um, ugh, that song is just so fucking heavy, dude. Was this a record where they called their friends and said, you know what we want to do? We want to write a song for you. 
We want to do what Norma Jean did with Chino, only we want to do it with all of our friends. And so we want it to actually be good. We want to write a song called The Conflict, and we're going to have Tommy Green show up, and he's going to do his thing. And it's going to kind of sound like a Sleeping Giant song. Normally, that does not work. And I'm not sure that it's a bad thing for this record, because this is 2010, where if you were hardcore, you were all in this together. And the best thing you could do would be pull in all of your friends. Well, and he's all over the track, man. He's all over it. He does this, like, I want to say rapping thing, but it's not really rapping. It's just him, like, yelling in time with the music. But, like, I don't know. It's it's interesting to hear him on on a uh, Ghost Inside album. And, uh, you know, he's not, but he's not, like, bringing the Jesus thing as much, which I, I get a lot of fucking hate mail for this. But, like, I kind of appreciate hearing Tommy Green step out of his comfort zone a little bit and do something that's more in line with the record, like what's best for the record. And so that that song is, is kind of a standout to me because he he, he really brings it and it, it incorporates everything he's about in one song, but it still comes across sounding very much like a Ghost Inside song. A little fun fact about the album. I do like, it's like an old school record where there is a, a secret song at the end. A couple minutes of silence and then some more some more instrumental comes in just for fun. Yeah. In the day and age of where you just stream one song at a time, you don't really notice that anymore. But. Well, we haven't mentioned this either, that these albums are incredibly short, like 30-something minutes each. They yeah, are short. They're 30-minute punk rock specials. And I appreciate that about it because, like, if you do a podcast like this one, it's it's nice to be able to just go to the next album. They're short, but from front to front to back, they're all barn burners. Totally. Yeah, this band kills it. I mean, and, and I... Uh, I didn't really know what to do with Get What You Give. 2012. Not not because it's bad. Whenever I say I don't know what to do with it, I, I, I don't mean that it's bad. It's just that it, it is kind of established at this point that this band is going to get heavier with each release. Well, this is when they uh, changed labels and changed producers. Yes. And this is when they added in, like, the ba- the big bass drops. Oh, my God, yeah. And I'm It normal- was 2012, after all. This is, where they, <laughs> this is where they start sounding like another band that we covered on the show, Gideon. Such a good band. Totally. Oh, they used to be a good band. I mean, they're still kind of a good band now, but um, we'll get in. You know, we can argue that out on the, uh, on the Faced on Records uh uh, a group on Facebook. I'm normally I'm normally not a fan like when a record kicks off or even just short songs in general, like a minute and a half track. Like I'm not usually a huge fan, but when they when this record starts off with "This Is What I Know About Sacrifice," like I'm a huge fan of this song. Like you know what you're in for. The rest of the record, just a beat down. I was not in the underground punk scene in the early 20 teens, but I was let in on the idea of. We do these minute and a half, two minute, just brutal as fuck songs where it's a verse and a chorus, maybe. But it's not really a chorus. It's more like this is the beginning of the song, this is the end of the song, and two minutes has gone by and we're done. So I appreciated when this band does it, it's more like a piece of the overall composition. It's the anti-intro. It's the anti-we open up the song with a breakdown. We're just going to hit you with the emotion right up front, and then we're going to go into the next song. You're punched in the face from the get-go. And I feel so good being punched in the face right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, it's totally fine. I don't have an issue with it. I just have to tell myself that, you know what? Truth be told, this band is not innovative. Wow. And I couldn't give less of a fuck. I, they're definitely not, like you said before, they're not doing anything that hasn't been done before. Yeah. But I think they're I think they're at the top, top of the game for what they do. Correct. In 2012, though, you don't have to be an innovator to write a good record in this style. 
Well, as an unpleasable metal fan. Ladies and gentlemen, unpleasable metal fan. <laughs> I enjoy the fact that they give me the same thing every time, but just a little bit different. And I, I'm okay with them having... Like I'm, like, I'm not okay with them experimenting, and they don't. And there's not enough bands out there like that where they're just trying to perfect what they did on the first album again. Like, I, as a music critic, I feel like I have to mention it, that, like, hey, you're not going to hear a whole lot of differentiation between, like, at the very least, the second and third albums. I don't know if it's because they went with a different producer, which I believe the producer was Jeremy McKinnon from A Day to Remember. That's correct. It does. This album just has more of a full sound than the last two. I guess that's just adding the more bass. Maybe I don't know, but it just has more of a punch to it. It does. I think that's that's a lot of it is studio. You know, just adding that stuff in. A lot of it sounds like it was added in post production. But I'm okay with it because like I've been listening to Gideon for a while and I, I love what they do or what they did. This is what you wanted in 2012, right? Totally. This is what I still want. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate as well. I mean, I, they're not like a band that I'm. They're not a band that I'm expecting like that they're gonna change my life. But it's like a sure thing. Are you having a circle back reaction to this band, Dan? No, but it's like a, it's a, it's a sure thing in that like I'm gonna enjoy this, and the band's never gonna do something really out of left field that's gonna piss me off. Not gonna lie, if I'm at the bar and uh, they have the touch tune system, I did, the great unknown. Like if I want to like if it's just been like you know your typical mainstream garbage that is normally on at the bar. I, the Great Unknown is my go-to. I'm, I'm going to waste a dollar on hearing that song at the bar just to get the looks from everyone. And to watch everybody get really uncomfortable and be right. like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? Right. Because even though like we know that this isn't like the heaviest of the heaviest that's out there, the average person that the heaviest band they've ever heard is disturbed is going to be like, oh my God. Where's the bucket I need to throw up? <laughs> yeah, like no shit, right? Like, I never do this, but I think it's that scene in Dirty Work where he's like, looks like they're going to be a brawl. What are you playing? <laughs> G7, baby! You just hit G8. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's rough. Like, it's not rough. So, like, if there's a point I'm trying to make about this band, is that, like, if you enjoyed the first record, you're fucking good, man. Absolutely. They don't have that type of, like, fanboy personal betrayal in their discography. They're not pulling the suicide silence? No, not at all. They're not, like, they're not only are they, they keeping a consistent sound, but they're not, like, shitting on their older sound, which I feel like a lot of bands did around this time where they're like, well, you know, we like metalcore, but we're really into, like, soulful pop hits. That's not the ghost inside. It's a two-way street, though. People are pissed if you put the same record out over and over again. But then people are also pissed if you, may, you know, even take a slight turn. You know, I guess you being the unpleasable metal fan, you know all, you know all about that. I mean, title of my autobiography. It's just that, like, I'm okay with it because I like melodic hardcore probably more than I like any other style that we talk about on this show. I'm on the same train with you, bud. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give bands like this a free pass. Where, yeah, you're not being innovative, but, like, I don't give a fuck because the song slam. But it, it prevails. You didn't give that same pass to you. No, because it prevails. Because they're not nearly as good. No, like, okay, so if we're going to continue that episode, it prevails didn't deliver what they gave us on the first album. The Ghost Inside, on the other hand, delivers that same experience every single time. Which, you know, you could say, like, oh, that's really bad. But, like, it's not, though, because, like, Slayer does that, and it's fine. Same thing about Sleeping Giant. Every record is just the same breakdown, continued. I'd and really like, I have no problem with it. I would like that if they put their albums out as instrumental only. I'd be all about it. I would, too. I'd scream along with them, like, with my own lyrics about, like, whatever fucked up worldview I have. Your IPA glass is empty right now. I know. It's There's your little, lyrics. It's a little, yeah, it's a little upsetting. 
There needs to be a breakdown for that. I need to fill, but I can't fill. You know, like it. <laughs> awesome. I filled the cup and then I drank. We were talking about Comeback Kid earlier, and this is uh, where the goose makes an appearance. He on, does. On face value. And I can't complain. Are we ready for Dear Youth? Of course. I was born ready. I wrote a letter to my youth, and it sounded like this. Quote, Dan Terry, 2019. What's funny is that, like, this this record is, again, if you like The Ghost Inside, you're going to love this record. Which I do. I, I do as well. Um, I really liked Out of Control. I, that's probably my favorite song, honestly, on the record. The song is a banger, but I feel like the song... Not to get political, but it's very fitting where we are right now. Oh my goodness, right? I know Jeff, this is not up his alley. Jeff gets really upset whenever people talk about politics and music. Jeff, you should uh, <laughs> you should go listen to the whole Stray the Path uh, discography. You would love it. I don't know if I have enough clips for all these Jeff references. How you doing? <laughs> I think at this point, so like we've got more of the like studio-assisted breakdowns, which is fine. A lot heavier bass drops, you know, just like the last record. A lot heavier bass drops. Like, they're, again, I, I don't, like, I, I parallel what they're doing to, like, what Gideon was doing at the same time where it was like, we're going to be hardcore bands, but we're going to throw in enough of that modern shit for people to like. Right. You know, and I think for the most part, they're successful in that. Yeah, if uh, if Mercy didn't have that intro, For Whom the Bell Tolls, that would probably be my favorite track on the record. I just Yeah, it's a little cheesy. I don't like that intro, but the breakdown in that song, life's swinging hard, but I'm going to swing harder. Right. So awesome. Especially if I'm drunk. Right. And I think uh, I think for the most part, like, you can't really fault this band. It's funny, too, that you say that, like, politically, you know, um, it's where we're at now. And this is 2014. Exactly. Like, just, I, I have mad respect for anybody that saw the writing on the walls. With how social media is just, like, destroying everything. Well, it's kind of like this meme I read the other day where, like, somebody was all like, Hey, Dad, why is the world as fucked up as it is right now? And uh, the dad sits down and pours himself, like, a whole fucking tumbler of whiskey, and he goes, Watch your language, son. All right, son. <laughs> He's like, all right, son, it all started with this fucking gorilla. You know, it, like, they had the foresight. And it's kind of like how when Zayo wrote Xenophobe, where they're like, oh, that's just an easy attack on the modern administration. And Zayo's like, no, we wrote that, like, several years ago. I was waiting on the Zayo reference, Dan. Well, you know, it's always there, man. We're on brand every night. I think that this record, if you're a fan of The Ghost Inside, you're going to love it. I don't think that they're pushing forward, and I have to admit that, like, four albums in, I'm a little bit of the impression of, like, what are you guys doing right now that Gideon's not doing? Is there going to be a next record is the question. Well, I think there is, actually. Yeah. I think there's been hit. They've been dropping hints. and every, I mean, if people are listening to this episode of The Ghost Inside, I would assume that they know the story of their horrible, horrible bus accident. Yes. That they had. What year was that? Was that? I should have made note. What year was it? Was it 2015? Early 2015, I think the bus accident was. Yeah, it was in 2015 sometime. I don't remember the exact date. Yeah, but yeah the I, driver of the bus, you know, and the driver of the tractor trailer, they had a head-on collision. Both drivers died, and a few members of the band were, you know, critically injured. The drummer, Andrew, ended up losing his leg. And they, uh, they finally just came back and played their first show maybe two months ago. I think it sold out in like a matter of minutes in L.A. Yeah. And when I saw that posting for the show, I was under the impression it was going to be like a club show. But then I saw all these videos of the show online and it almost looked like a festival, like huge yeah. pyro outdoors, like just huge. They sounded awesome, though, from all the YouTube videos I saw. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I hope there's new music coming. Final thoughts on the ghost inside. Chris. Uh if you are if you're looking for just a gateway like i said earlier a gateway hardcore metalcore band 
that you want to be able to understand the lyrics and what he's saying to you, this is the band for you. You like beatdown breakdowns, you want to get in the pit, this is the band for you. Damn, what about you? I don't know how I follow that. If you like melodic hardcore, if you like bands like Shy Halud or Heaven Forbid It Prevails, um, you're going to find that you like The Ghost Inside more than It Prevails. Also, if you like the band Hand of Mercy out of Australia, and yeah. you want a carbon copy of Ghost Inside? No, totally, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. I love uh, that band. And they first came, time I heard them, I'm like, is this the Ghost Inside? Because it sounds a lot like the Ghost Inside. They came on my streaming radio after like an album would finish, and I thought I was listening to another Ghost Inside album, and I was like, oh, wait, no, hold on, that's not right. Uh, they're a great example of this style, but they're not like the most innovative band in the world, and I don't think they have to be. I don't think everybody has to change our perspective on music. The Ghost Inside is the metalcore version of Don't Worry, Be Happy. They're not trying to inspire you with religious themes or anti-religious themes, which are really religious themes just reversed if you think about it. They're just trying to get everybody on the same page of we don't all have to be shitty to each other. We don't always have to feel bad. Sometimes we can just not be complete shit. So if you are looking for a positive band that is not trying to persuade you one way or the other on the scale of religion, you can't go wrong with The Ghost Inside. It's metalcore, it's heavy, and it delivers. Four records, essentially the same thing. You can't go wrong. Damn, what's your album of the week? My album of the week... Uh, let me try that again. That was great. My album is going to be Zao. Actually, it is Zao. Go ahead. My album of the week is Pyrrhic Victory by Zayo. I've gone back through a lot of my vinyl, and that's the one I've been listening to the most this week. Chris, what about you? My album of the week is Enslaved to Tragedy by In Search of Solace. Uh, just came out, I want to say, maybe three weeks ago on Sharp Tone Records. Uh, they're from my home state, Minnesota. St. Paul boys, doing well. If you like uh, The Architects, it's probably a good, a good comparison for them. Get on that train. In Search of Solace. Check them out, guys. I've been listening to a shit ton of pirate metal this week, so my album of the week is Pirate Scum by Stormseeker. It is not Ailstorm, but it's pretty fucking close. I have a couple Ailstorm records at home. Pirate punk is fun. You just get to dance and sing about drinking and pillaging and sailing the seven seas. Yeah. Don't worry, Dad. I didn't forget about you. Have you ever been listening to this podcast and you thought... Why haven't these assholes talked about my favorite band? Here's the deal, dude. We don't know what your favorite band is. You have to tell us. One way you can tell us, you can reach out to us on Facebook under facebook.com slash discography discussion. Send us a message there. Join our official group. If you join the group, I'll probably approve you unless you're like a weird person, which I wouldn't be able to tell by looking at your Facebook profile. So you're probably in. You can reach out to us on Discord. We have a Discord server that is hopping, and uh, you can click on the link in our show notes that'll take you to our Discord server. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Discuss Metal, or reach out to me and Joe personally at Discuss Metal Dan or Discuss Metal Joe on Twitter. You can also send us an email at show at gmail.com. So if you can't get a hold of us, it's your fault. I don't know what else to tell you. And on that note, this has been episode 140 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. 
Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please, send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Money! We have some sweet perks. Money! We have some sweet perks. Money! Money!